BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. In a study by Esquire, 54% of women said they'd rather be hit by a car than considered fat. If I'm being honest, I've been those women. So for me, this isn't just a podcast, it's personal. I'm Danielle Robay, TV host and journalist, and years of celebrity interviewing taught me that beauty isn't about what you look like, it's about who you become. Each week, I'm having thought-provoking conversations, digging into the stories of people who put a new spin on pretty. From entrepreneurs and authors to politicians and celebrities, no topic is off limits. So join me every Thursday for a new episode to feel pretty inspired, pretty seen, and best of all, pretty smart. Willpower is this term that I feel like is just, it's so toxic because people are thinking there's something wrong with me. I'm so out of control around food. When if there's anything I want people to take away from this, there is nothing wrong with you. There is nothing wrong with your body. You are a human being and you're probably just really fucking hungry. Hey, everybody, and welcome to RealPod. I'm Victoria Garrick, former D1 athlete and mental health and body image advocate. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you awesome guests, weekly inspiration, and the realest conversations around everything and anything. Now let's get real. Welcome back to Real Pod, everybody. I hope you're having a fantastic start to your morning. It's been a while since we did an episode on intuitive eating and our relationship with food. And honestly, you guys, recently I had a little hiccup in my own relationship with food. Honestly, it was less action based. Like I didn't do any, it was more mental. Like I was thrown off for a few days. And don't worry, I will share every detail with you guys in this episode. But that said, when it comes to these topics that I love to host on the show, I always want to make sure I'm bringing you guys new information, things you haven't heard before, guests with unique and helpful perspectives, tips and tricks. And that's exactly what this conversation will be today. My guest, Sammy Previtt, is a registered anti-diet dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor with over 500,000 people online who follow her expertise as she helps them break free from diet culture and find food freedom. This is a great one. Sammy's a badass, so buckle up. Quick shout out to Ginny for leaving this five-star review last week. It says, Thank you so much, Victoria, for creating this amazing podcast. I learned something new with each episode. Your guests are incredible, and I have to listen to some episodes multiple times as I find myself simply mind blown with some of the content. 
I'm always sending links around and recommending people give these episodes a listen. This is the first review I've ever written. I don't even listen on Apple. I'm on Spotify, but absolutely well-deserved. Thank you. Oh my gosh, Ginny, I am so pleased to know that you literally took the time out of your day to go over to Apple Podcasts and leave me that review. I like extra love. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It means the world to me. And I am thrilled to know you're enjoying the show and the guests. I will keep it up for you, babe. If you have yet to leave a review, but you'd like to let me know what you think of the show and possibly get a shout out on next week's episode, head over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to send it to a friend, a teammate, a family member, someone who you think could benefit from hearing this conversation. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss a real pod, which has new episodes every single Wednesday. All right. With that said, let's get into today's episode with the one and only Sammy Previtz. Sam, I'm so excited. How are you today? I actually wanted to ask you what you've eaten today, but then I was like, is that invasive? But I know you're comfortable with stuff like that, but I thought it would be a fun jump starter. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I'm doing great. So you are my seventh meeting of today. You're my last. It's because it's 6 p.m. here. I'm going on vacation tomorrow. We have 13 hours in the car. So our house is like, empty because we've like, we're like, okay, we're going to eat everything up and like not go grocery shopping. So I've ate the most random things today, but probably one of my most favorite snacks was an ice cream cone. (laughs) That's like the first thing that came to my mind. I love that. Oh my God. Your seventh interview. I got to bring you the energy girl. Like I got (laughs) to, I'm so hyped for this. Like, okay. I've been waiting for this. This is like a dream to chat with you on your pod. Yay. I'm so excited. And honestly, I feel like you are, not only are you an expert in the field, right? And you have such a, in my opinion, healthy and sound take on food and eating and all of those things, but you also just get it. Like you're cool. You can have conversations. I feel like I can relate to you. Sometimes it's intimidating when the person communicating the message, even if they just don't seem like someone who can just speak conversationally. So I appreciate that about what you do, especially in a space where relating to your clients and to people who are going through eating disorders and have problems with food is so important. Thank you so much. And I think, you know, just hearing from clients when they hear that I'm a registered dietitian, first of all, I hate I hate calling myself a dietitian. Can we rename it? (laughs) Like, I would love that. Honestly, I've stopped using it. And I just, because I'm a certified intuitive eating counselor under Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch, I honestly just tell people I'm a certified intuitive eating counselor. And yes, I'm a dietitian, but I just, people get scared, right? They think I'm the food police. And most of our clients, if they've come from eating disorder recovery or just, you know, chronic dieting, their thoughts of dietitians are scary or off-putting, or they've had bad experiences with dietitians because a lot of dietitians are also weight loss coaches. So I, I hear what you're saying and I thank you so much. And we, we try to be relatable just because, I mean, if you're not relatable, then how can you talk to people? Isn't it scary that people are like, well, this person's a professional, but they're giving 
really harmful, toxic information. I think about that a lot because I always try to remind my followers, this is my experience. This is what works for me. You know, I don't have a certification like you do. I don't have that clinical background. But at the same time, I'm like, I go to bed at night almost like I would kind of bet on myself more than the average dietitian. <laughs> I would bet on you over like 90% of the dietitians in my field. And I say that like dietitians aren't bad, inherently bad people. You know, I have many podcast episodes I can share with you for show notes of my experience of being a dietitian. Or if we get into that today, you know, dietitians are classically trained in diet culture and are taught to restrict people. So I think a lot of dietitians go into the field wanting to help people, but then we live in the $72 billion diet industry where air quotes, helping people is preaching weight loss, which is so fucked up because it's harming. And so, yes, everything you're saying is true. I would bet on you as well, Victoria. Um, and <laughs> it's, you know, just one day at a time, we're trying to plant those seeds and hope that other dietitians see this message and and convert over into the intuitive eating space. Speaking of restriction, I kind of listed out a few topics that I wanted to just debunk with you today because there's so many aspects of diet culture and dieting. And I obviously love your Instagram account. And I think you do such a phenomenal job. And one something you posted recently that I loved was, if I hear the word willpower one more time, I will scream. And I loved that because willpower is like this term coined to make you feel like you're the problem and you can't hold the diet down. And I remember always just beating myself up. Why can't I stay under this calorie amount? Why can't I resist these foods? And the crazy thing was like in every other aspect of my life, you tell me to go wake up at 6 a.m. and run sprints, I'll do it. You tell me I need to do X, Y, Z to be good on the volleyball court, I'll do it. But all of a sudden when it's cut this entire food group or stay under this amount of calories, I could not do it. I felt like, you know, I felt like that was a problem in me. So in your opinion, you know, what is willpower and then why is it toxic? So willpower, I believe is just a, a made up term for diet culture, right? You hear in diet culture, people talking about have more willpower, right? Have more discipline, fight through your hunger, like suppress it, right? That doesn't work because we have to eat food to survive and to live. So I think with diet culture or diets in general, right? It doesn't matter what diet it is. Every single diet restricts something, right? So I'm a big analogy person. So I always use like the bow and arrow or the pendulum analogy when describing restriction is if we pick up our bow and arrow, you take any diet, and you restrict, right? So let's use keto, for example, just because why not? So, okay, keto diet, we pick up our bow and arrow and we pull that bow back. We, we go no carbs, no carbs, no carbs, or very low carbs, right? Pull, 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 pull. That's your willpower, right? You're trying so hard and then you hit a breaking point where you say, screw that, I can't do this anymore. You let go and that arrow flies so much further in the opposite direction and that's what you were just kind of sharing, that experience of feeling like you failed or you did something wrong, but truly there's nothing wrong with you. That was just a natural response of your body not being able to uphold a restriction that was unrealistic and should never be put in place in the first place. 
So willpower is this term that I feel like is just, it's so toxic because people are thinking there's something wrong with me. I'm so out of control around food. When if there's anything I want people to take away from this, there is nothing wrong with you. There is nothing wrong with your body. You are a human being and you're probably just really fucking hungry. I'm sorry, am I allowed to swear? <laughs> oh my like God, I of course. That, yes, okay, you perfect. can do whatever you want. <laughs> okay. What's the obsession with restriction? Like, why is that such an element of diet culture that it's all about limiting food groups and, you know, withholding things? You know, diet culture is driven by this ideal of how do we shrink our bodies, right? Because I mean, this, we could go into so many different rabbit holes here, but you know, the, the societal norms of using heavy air quotes over here, smaller is better, right? Um, or thinking that if, you know, if I shrink my body, I'll get more love, I'll get more acceptance. So people think, okay, if I restrict, right, and I'll hopefully shrink my body, but we know that restriction leads to binging. It's the number one indicator. So although restriction feels like control, heavy air quotes, it actually leads to the most out of control feelings. I love this. Well, I don't love that that happens to people and that I've I've been through that, but I love that you said that because actually something I wanted to ask you was what is the secret to control binge eating? It's a great question. So it's literally what people don't want to hear. It's so funny when I, when I talk about this, right? So we talk, let's go back to our bow and arrow. So if we're on the keto diet, we're saying no carbs, no carbs, no carbs. For those listening, I'm pulling my bow way far back or my arrow, I guess, with my bow. So we let go. The arrow flies a lot further in the opposite direction. So if we just barely pull that arrow back, right? Just one little pull, the arrow would just fly straight to the ground. It wouldn't go very far. So in that sense, it's allowing the fear foods, right? Allowing the forbidden foods, because the more that we do that, the less fear, the less fear we have about these foods. And that's where we have that ability for food to just become neutral. Evelyn Triboli uses this example in her certification when she's teaching different dietitians and professionals of, and I'll, I'll use it with you, Vic. So I already know the answer to this question, but have, have you ever said, I love you before to somebody? Yes, I have. Yes. And you're in love currently, right? So who said, who said, I love you first, you or Max? Max. (laughs) Okay. So when now we may, we may need to pull him in for this, but when he was probably going to say, I love you for the first time, and and you can maybe explain it to us, like, how was he? Was he calm, cool and collected or was like his heart racing? Was he a little like jittery? How did, how did he act? Oh my gosh, I love this. So it was like accidental. He was like, yes, heart racing, kind of, we were stressed talking about how he was moving to Pittsburgh and it was just in this like, and I'm moving and blah, 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 but I love you. And then we looked at each other and I was like, you said it. (laughs) Perfect. And then he was probably like freaking out like, oh my God, I just told her I loved her. Didn't mean to do that. Maybe he did, you know, in the moment. So, So now when he says, I love you, how is it? I mean, it's every day. It's just yeah. the norm. Yeah, it's the norm, right? It's oh, day. I know where you're going with this, you genius. So, <laughs> so it's not me. I have to give this to Evelyn. Evelyn, Evelyn. This is all Evelyn. But so, so what we do with food, right, is we, we neutralize it. So when Max first said, I love you, it was probably really exciting for both of you, like hearts racing, like heart rate up, all sweaty palms, all the things. Now when you guys say I love you, it's like, 
love you, babe. Like, you know, it's, it's normal, right? It's neutral. And you still obviously mean it, but it's, it's a little less of that, like all encompassing, like um, all body sensations kind of coming forward. So with food, that's when we talk about neutralizing food, I like to use that analogy of, yeah, okay, maybe it not, might not be like, I love you, but when we eat foods, we just want them on an even playing field. So when we have forbidden foods like cake and cookies and donuts and pizza, and we can't have them and we shouldn't eat them, then when we finally let our guards down and eat them, we feel out of control. There's increased urgency to eat even more of it because it's like, got to get it all in because come Monday after the holiday, after my vacation, not allowed to eat this anymore. So we eat with urgency and it's like, oh, we're being bad, right? Air quotes, bad versus if we're like, okay, I'm just going to eat a salad, right? It's like, okay, well, I'm always allowed to eat this because this is what all my diets tell me I'm allowed to eat. And it's just like, okay, it's a salad. So it's not that we want you to have, you know, the ice cream response with salad and vice versa. It's just, we want it to be neutral, right? It's just, it's just food. And to be able to do that, we have to have exposure to the fear foods or those forbidden foods. And in in the beginning, it's going to feel more like that all encompassing. Oh my gosh, like I'm doing something bad. I feel like a little out of control, but the more and more exposure we have to that, the more it becomes neutral and it's just food, but it does take time to get to that. As you know, we're going to take one quick break today so I can tell you about today's sponsor, Ned. Now, if you're like me, you have some body soreness or lingering aches and pains. Most of mine are from my glory days as an athlete. I feel like I'm forever going to have some back pain here and there. But fortunately, I have Ned's hemp-infused body butter for pain relief, which has been so amazing. It is a CBD lotion that revives your skin and supports pain relief with all natural ingredients that help stimulate blood flow. It has a yummy yet not overpowering scent because sometimes when it's too scenty, it's too much, but this one is just perfect and it absorbs into the skin quickly. Now look, CBD has become extremely popular in the past years, making it hard to navigate and choose the right company and the best products. But that's where Ned comes in. They produce the highest quality, full spectrum CBD extracted from organically grown hemp plants, all sourced from an independent farm in Colorado. And you can double check all of this right on the Ned website where they share third-party lab reports, who farms their products, and their extraction process. CBD can hugely benefit as a sleep aid, as an anti-inflammatory, a natural pain reliever, and as a rich source of antioxidants. If you want to check out Ned and try their CBD products for yourself, we have a very special offer for the RealPod squad. So you can go to helloned.com slash RealPod or enter code RealPod at checkout for 15% off your first time order and 20% total off your first subscription order plus free shipping. That's helloned.com, H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash RealPod. R-E-A-L-P-O-D to get 15% off your first one-time order or 20% total off your first subscription order plus free shipping. Something I wanted to talk to you about because I don't know, I think it might be interesting for people and I think it's realistic when you're recovering from an eating disorder. I went to the OBGYN recently. I got my blood drawn and she calls me randomly in the middle of my workday. So I'm a little caught off guard. I'm already stressed. And First, she tells me my vitamin D levels are low. I mean, it, I wasn't really shocked. Like, no, I haven't left the house for a year. Like, 
Yeah. I have been in the sun. <laughs> okay. In that boat. Yeah. I'm well. like, I'm like, okay, that's not that bad. But then she goes, she says something like, also, you know, your cholesterol is a little high. So just be mindful of dairies, creams, and cheeses when you're consuming them. You know, she just said something like that. And then she she was not toxic at all. And like, it's not like she was like, we need to see you next week. She said, I'll see you in a year. But she goes, be mindful of consuming cheeses and creams and, you know, uh, milk and dairy. And I just panicked. I hung up that phone and sobbed at my kitchen counter. I mean, I looking back at it now, I totally overreacted. But the thought of having to get rid of a food group was so triggering for me. I thought like I would lose the entire grasp I have on a healthy relationship with food right now. And so I guess my question is like, is it bad that I feel so fragile? You know, it's like, I feel like I have the healthiest relationship with food, but then that phone call made me think, well, holy shit, if one phone call and having to, I don't have to remove dairy from my diet, but if I had to, like, could I without going off the rails? So just to calm your nerves, you do not need to eliminate dairy or anybody listening to this that has high cholesterol. Like you do not have to eliminate dairy. There are many things we can do from a medical nutrition therapy standpoint that are not removing food groups to help an array of medical conditions. But I, I want to validate for you that that's a normal fear because that, that feels like restriction to you and, and restriction is very triggering. And so that is something we often do with a lot of our clients. You know, a lot of our clients do have medical, you know, diseases that they're, they're struggling with disease states. So anything from diabetes, cancer, heart disease, high cholesterol, um, hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's, infertility. I mean, we work with people, everyone has stuff going on, right? So it's important to note that medical nutrition therapy is still a part of intuitive eating. And I think that's where there's this misconception on social media that, you know, intuitive eating is like, eat whatever the fuck you want, fuck dieting, like you hate, you know, you're anti-health if you're intuitive eating. And that's like, couldn't be further from the truth. It's the opposite. It's it's trusting your body so much and try, like everything that you do aligns to feel pleasant physically, mentally, emotionally. And if we have a medical condition or a marker like that, that we just need to monitor and watch, it's how do we start to make shifts in our behavior that align with us, that feel safe, and that we know through research can also be beneficial for that disease state or that blood cholesterol level or, or whatever it is. So that's where I would definitely recommend whether, you know, I'm more than happy to help you, but <laughs> chatting with a professional who can really help you navigate that. So you feel safe if you're starting to implement some medical nutrition therapy. Right. Exactly. And also, you know, I have this tendency to be like a catastrophic thinker. That was how my anxiety was. And so of course I get off the phone and I'm like, you know, in two seconds, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to cut all these things from my diet and that's going to trigger me. And then I'm going to start binge eating. And then I'm going to have this horrible relationship with food again that I hate having. And like, and of course it's been a few days and I realized my cholesterol is not that high. They're not that concerned. I was overthinking what she said, but you know, it just gave me, I got, I got caught off guard because I was like, whoa, is my relationship with food as thick as, you know, and, and good as I thought it was, or, or couldn't be broken really easily. And another thing that interested me, which I'm wondering your thoughts on is similarly with the scale. I don't weigh myself. It's 
yeah, it's just don't need the numbers. Same. <laughs> Love it. But then someone not trying to like, you know, offend me, but just pose the question of, are you giving the scale more power by literally fearing its existence or, or you're, you stepping on it, you know, like fearing a glance at the numbers at the doctor's office. And I thought that was an interesting question. Like I'm open to exploring, am I giving it more power by being like really afraid of it? What are your thoughts? Just kind of hearing that and also being someone who doesn't weigh themselves. Yeah. Well, I think that's a a great question is I look at pretty much anything with clients as the relationship. So in this, in this instance, we would say, okay, your relationship with the scale, right? Let's unpack it. Let's look at it. So if you choose to not weigh yourself, just, just hearing that statement alone, that doesn't sound like fear to me. Now, by just saying like, that doesn't help me. It doesn't align with me. Seeing the number might cause my behaviors to restrict or to binge depending on what I see or could start some really negative thought patterns. So if anything, I would say that's keeping you safe. But if let's say for some clients, if they go to the doctor's office and they do get maybe... Now, I work with clients and tell them how to speak with their doctor so they don't have to be weighed because you, you can you know say, I don't want to be weighed and you can do that. But for people who maybe don't want to do that or they get weighed at the doctor or they accidentally see the number, if that's really triggering, then that's something that, again, I think would be really helpful to just kind of walk through and role play because chances are somehow, some way it could come up for you. And instead of it being catastrophic and like ruining your day or week or month or whatever it is, it can be like, okay, when this happens, what is the worst possible thing that could happen to you? Okay where are we going to go from there? And really kind of walking through that. And a lot of it is more so being able to control our thought patterns and our beliefs and walking through that. The number itself is just a data point, right? It's not a behavior. It's just a data point. So it's more so being able to control, control our thought patterns around that. You know, sitting and really thinking about, okay, this hasn't happened yet, but if it happened, what would my next move be? Would I come back from this? And of course the answer is yes, right? So you slowly begin to build that confidence in yourself. And then it seems less scary if this thing were to happen. I love that. I got to do that work. Also, a few minutes ago, you mentioned this misconception around what intuitive eating is, right? I hear that all the time too. You know, it's like you lift the gates and my dad, I, I love him. But every time that man eats cake, cupcakes, or, you know, quote unquote sweets, he's like, hey, Vic, I'm intuitive eating. And every time I'm like, no, that's not what it is. I'm like, that's probably emotional eating. Like every time I'm like, nope, not it. Um, can you please just define the difference between intuitive eating and emotional eating? Because I think that's a gray area lots of people struggle with. So one thing to think about is I think a lot of people think like when you're an intuitive eater or when you're air quotes intuitive eating, that you're like, I think it's hard for people to conceptualize. They think it's that you're on a diet because that's all they know, right? And then everything's perfect when you're an intuitive eater. And it's like, no, 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 no. We can emotionally eat and be an intuitive eater. So yes, I think it comes down to intention, right? Like what is your intention? If your intention is I'm sitting here and I'm eating this piece of cake because it tastes damn good and I want it and I'm hungry for it and it's great and it's satisfying, awesome. If we're sitting here eating a piece of cake, and I'm just using cake as a random example, and we're already physically full, it, it actually feels physically unpleasant to be eating. It's, we're not even enjoying the taste that much, but we're just eating this cake because we want to get lost in something. And then we finish eating the cake and say, I didn't enjoy it. 
I don't feel pleasant. Now what? Right. And then becomes that emotional unpleasantness of the regret and the remorse of eating that. That would be more an example of emotional eating. But I think it's really important to note that emotional eating still takes place when you're an intuitive eater because you're a human being and every single human emotionally eats. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. I love that. Thank you for, for defining those. I'll never forget when my therapist said to me, you know, I was sitting there and I was like, oh my gosh, last night I had this bag of popcorn, but I wasn't hungry. I was just like bored or something. And she said, okay, you know, you're a human. Uh, Humans emotionally eat sometimes. And I was like, whoa, because, you know, similarly to that diet mentality, you want to feel like you don't have any dings or marks on your perfect list. You're like, I'm always intuitive eating and I'm always being into with my body. But from personal experience, you know, and you can tell me if you agree, I think just one of the biggest components of intuitive eating is that intention, is that mindfulness. Sometimes I will sit down and I'm not hungry, but I'm like, you know what? This looks really good and I would love the taste of it. And I eat it, but I but I do it and I'm aware of the choice I'm making throughout the process. And there's no guilt and there's no shame. And that awareness is key. Would you say that that's a portion of shifting to intuitive eating that's hardest for people to grasp? Or what do you see as like the biggest mountain to climb when transitioning from a history of dieting to intuitive eating and listening to your body? I would say probably the biggest mountain is one of the first mountains that everybody climbs is, you know, one of those first, the first few principles are are probably the hardest because they're the first. And once you get over those, then it kind of all starts to fall in place where you can start to listen to your body. But telling someone to listen to their body when they're coming out of diet culture is pointless. Like they're like, what, what do you mean? Listen to my body. Like, listen to what? What I've been told for 20 plus years to follow rules and restrict myself. But I would say the one that comes to mind is, is removing the morality with food because food has held such moral standards in diet culture to then be told that you're not a bad person for eating a donut or, you know, You don't need to feel guilt or shame for eating pizza. Once we start to explore that, that can be really difficult. And similar to what we were talking about earlier, the bow and arrow is people feel like, oh my gosh, okay, Sammy, I get it. They they start to get it. They're like, okay, I want to get to this place of food freedom. I know I have to, you know, remove the restriction, but you don't understand. I'm never going to stop eating pizza, cake, ice cream, et cetera. But we know through the research with food habituation that that's just not true. And so one of the most popular studies with food habituation is with college kids and pizza. And they were, I forget the amount of time, I want to say it was about a month where they were told like, okay, you come to the seminar every night, you get free unlimited pizza for a month. And the kids were like, hell yeah, like this is going to be awesome. And then by like day three, they were like, I don't want to look at pizza ever mm-hmm. again, right? <laughs> and so that's what diet culture does. It tells us we're only allowed to eat fruits, veggies, and lean proteins. And what do we crave? Everything else. And so I tell clients, you want to learn food, food habituation? Eat, eat only pizza and ice cream for a week. You won't even be able to make it till day two and you're going to be craving a crunchy, crispy salad and some type of like juicy protein or like a crispy apple. I'm glad you actually just brought that up because I wasn't planning on asking you this, but I actually get asked this a lot. So you said you'd be craving that crunchy salad. I grew up on vegetables. My mom is definitely someone who eats very nutrient dense foods, including lots of vegetables. And so I was raised on that and I actually love them. Like I love veggies. I crave them. 
there are people who don't grow up in households like that and they don't acquire a taste for vegetables or maybe a craving for a nutritious salad. Is there you know, an element to intuitive eating for them that puts them at a disadvantage if like they don't genuinely have the taste or the desire to eat those nutritious foods? Is that something that you run into when, when people just don't like roots and vegetables? Um, I wouldn't say they're at a disadvantage. I would say it's just something we would definitely take note of because they might just not have exposure, right? And they might not have that privilege of, of having fresh fruits and veggies around. So they might not even know if they like that food. So I think it would just be taking note of, you know, okay, what are the foods that you do enjoy? What are foods that you definitely don't enjoy and why? And then what are foods that you just haven't had exposure to? And just making sure that in that second stage of intuitive eating, there's five stages, that second stage, I believe it's second or third off the top of my head. I'm blanking, but the exploratory phase, that's where that would come in as like, can we explore some nutrient dense foods? Not because you have to, not because it's like, okay, this is what you're eating, but just like, how does this taste? How's the mouth feel? How's the temperature? Like, do you enjoy this? So I wouldn't say a disadvantage. I would just say it's something we definitely would want to take note of. And, and if their answer is no, I don't want to explore that, then we don't have to rush into that. I love the way you talk about these things, right? The way you say we can explore this and does it taste good? Why? You know, what's the relationship? And that makes me think of just curiosity in general. Can we substitute out the judgment voice, the like, I am a horrible person. I can't believe I don't do this. I suck to this, huh? Why did I continue eating that? You know, what is what would it be like for me if X, Y, Z? Could you explain why it's so crucial to have that compassionate curiosity as a part of our relationship with food? Because some people are like, yeah, 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 be kind to yourself, but they don't understand the key piece at place. I, curiosity is like the buzzword of intuitive eating. My, <laughs> my group coaching gals, they probably get so sick of me because everything I'll be like, let's bring it back to curiosity. <laughs> like, but it's like such a good word. Um, and it just helps you, like you said, remove the judgment and the shame and, and kind of enter just being curious. And I think it's, I often use the example of, you know, thinking about, okay, who's your best friend in the world, right? How do you speak to her, Right when you're talking about clothes fitting or like clothes fitting her body or what she's eating, how do you speak to her? What's the compassion, empathy that you give to her? And a lot of times, you know, these negative voices in our head, we were not born with them, right? We get them somewhere. So of course we know diet culture is a huge contributor and the media and all that shit. But then there's also the internalized trauma that we have, or maybe parental voices or mentors, coaches, of those voices. And so the one intuitive eating principle that really walks through that is challenge the food police. And we look at, okay, you can kind of assess when you hear a comment in your head, it can be one of three voices, right? Of the ego. Is it the rebellious child? Is it the neutral adult? Or is it the authoritative parent, right? So is it the voice of saying like, you shouldn't be eating that? Why are you eating that, Victoria? Is it the neutral adult that says like, hmm, didn't think I was going to eat this today, but I'm enjoying it. 
Or is it the rebellious child that's like, I'm going to eat all of this and then I'm going to eat a second one because you told me I shouldn't eat this. So now I'm going to eat even more of it. And you'll see how those were all three talking about the same thing. There was like a very different tone to them. And so when we have thoughts that come up around food, a lot of times, you know, in that principle of challenging the food place, we're identifying our ego. We're identifying these, these people or these air quote, these thoughts in our head and, and identifying them. So then we can be aware of them. So then we can change them. But that awareness has to come first. And just like you said, bring it back to curiosity. Where are these voices coming from? Where have I heard these before? Because they're not you. They're coming from somewhere. I love your mention of the ego. I was doing some work on reading books about that, as well as just societal conditioning and why we think the way we do. And gosh, there's just such unraveling that needs to happen. I'm almost, I'm hyped because I mean, obviously now we're seeing lots of people who even on TikTok, like I love seeing those parents who are, you know, explaining things in just these totally different ways of like, I don't force my kid to do X, Y, Z or whatnot. And I'm like, I, I'm excited to see how these people grow up. And then part of me almost is like, wouldn't it be weird if you, I mean, everyone is suffering. Like that's the whole story of the Buddha, but I'm, I'm just trying to think of like a 16 year old girl who doesn't have any poor self-esteem. It's sad that like, you can't even imagine it. <laughs> It's very true. That's very true. But yeah, it's, you know, these voices are, they come from somewhere. And so just being curious about them and um, again, non-judgmental. And a lot of times I'll invite people that when it comes to your body or when it comes to food, I call it like a timeline or a flow chart of, you know, put your name in the middle. So Victoria, circle it and then pull off that, just all the names of people that are really influential in your life from childhood to now and any comments or things that were said to you by them around food or body that stick out like a sore thumb to you and kind of see what comes up. And sometimes there might be people on that flow chart where it's like this kid in, you know, sixth grade gym class. They're like, I don't even remember his name, but he said this to me and it's like still in my head. And a lot of times those are the voices that we're hearing. So being able to identify them can then help us question them and and start to challenge those beliefs. Speaking of that, I know we both have yayas and you DM'd me recently about, you know, just yayas and how they are. And just to provide context for people listening on my Instagram story a few weeks ago, I just documented a drive to my mom's house because my yaya was going to be there. Who's my mom's mom. And every time I see her, I love her to death but she gives me this hug and I know she like kind of feels my waist just to see what my body type is like. And then she usually makes a comment, which most of the time is like, Kukla, you look beautiful. You know, she gives me a compliment, but I still feel uncomfortable because, you know, I know the, the time she didn't compliment me or she said things like you're strong, which I know to her meant you've gained weight, you know? And so I posted that and people were like, this is not okay. And I'm like, dudes, I'm like, she's like 80 something. It's a 10 second comment. I can handle it. Like I was just posting that to, you know, comfort others who have the same experience, but you messaged me and said, my Yaya does the same. (laughs) Well, I think all grandparents, right? Like I don't even think it's like that. It's just that generation. And then especially that of the European descent from, from Greece. 
but like there's nothing better than a yaya and does she does she cook you homemade spanakopita as well oh my or? gosh yes the spanakopita is so good <laughs> it's the best and the baklava it's like there's nothing better yes okay actually i'm like the worst greek because i think baklava is good but the rest of my family is like obsessed they make it and put it in the freezer and i'm like it's good you know so that's why i'm like i don't know that's where my my 50% not Greek is kicking in. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm 50% as well. I love it. Yeah, no, I I mean, it doesn't have chocolate in it. That's what my husband's like. It's great, but like it doesn't have chocolate in it. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. How do you navigate your relationship with food in your marriage? You know, just speaking of your husband, you guys probably been together much longer than Max and I, but- I get that question a lot too. And for the most part, I think it's pretty healthy. And I know the boundaries I've set, but I'd love to know what sort of boundaries you've had to set, if any, and how you navigate that. So I'm going to plug our podcast here just because we did a whole episode on this. Um, <gasps> oh my God, I our- love that. We're doing one soon. That's amazing. I'll listen so to yeah. yours for inspo. <laughs> yeah. So we did what the actual fork pod, we had both husbands on. So we did Jenna, myself, and both of our husbands. But for me personally, with with Luke, my husband... So he comes from an Italian family. He like food is his absolute love language. Like you eat what he prepares. He will be personally offended if you do not. That's how he was raised. Like, you know, you finish your plate, you finish your second plate or like it's offensive. So for him, it's funny. And he talks about this a little bit on the pod of just like getting okay with like, if I don't want to eat something, I don't have to eat it. And he, that was like really big for him to learn that because it, he, it felt disrespectful to him. If I was like, yeah, like I know we have like the leftover homemade meatballs you made, but like, I'm just kind of feeling this frozen veggie burger from Trader Joe's or like, you know, so, I don't know, just a weird example. And he'd be like, what the hell? Like you want a frozen veggie burger over my homemade grandma's meatballs. <laughs> and like, don't get me wrong. Like I usually want the meatballs, but that's just an example of he had to like learn to be okay with that. But it's been really cool watching his relationship with food change. And he's definitely become an intuitive eater and it's cute. Like, you know, we'll go out on date nights and like, he used to be someone who would clean his plate because that's how he was raised. And now like he'll push back and he's like, I'm so full. And like, I'm not going to feel like, you know, like I have to roll to the car and now I have a meal left over and not because he's restricting, but because he's like, I'm an intuitive eater. And so it's cute to (laughs) see how you can kind of rub off on the people around you. That's so cute. I have, that's so funny you said that because I'll have similar instances with Max where he's like, you know what? I just really want in and out. I'm like, let's go get it. You know, because he's definitely more of a, you know, quote unquote likes to, you know, he lifts heavy weights. You know, he's a little bit more cautious of, he's still got those types of food in his mind. So whenever he does get a craving, I love encouraging him to see it through. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's It's so exciting. And it's, it's cute because, you know, there's, I feel like there's a very small handful of these men who are married to dietitians or, or whatever, whoever in the intuitive eating community, they know what it is. Like there's very few men or even non-binary genders in this community. So like we need, we need more men. We need more non-binary. We need more people other than just women talking about intuitive eating. So it makes me excited when I hear husbands or people not in the air quotes norm talking about intuitive eating. Yes. Amen to that. I completely agree. Sam, thank you so much. You are awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know that you have long wait lists and people pay for your time. Thank you for spending an hour here sharing your expertise and wisdom with us at RealPod. Super, super grateful for you. 
Thanks so much, Victoria. So grateful for you as well. And thanks again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of RealPod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie, share the love, share the realness. New episodes of RealPod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with RealPod throughout the week seeing behind the scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real.